Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm Sharon, and it's December 10th, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, which means it's time to kick things off live. So I'm very excited for this week's show. We have a lot of fun things planned. And as always, we're taking questions from the viewers. So if you have any questions, please drop them into the chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll try to answer them on air. Joining us this week is Tom's Hardware Senior Editor, Jared Walton. What's going on, Hi, Sharon? Uh, nothing. I haven't been testing cyberpunk like a madman for the last week or whatever. <laughs> full sleep, full rested, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> so we'll four be hours getting... last night. Ooh, four whole hours. Um, yeah, so Jared will be giving us a preview at all his performance testing that he's been doing in a little bit. But first, I'm very excited to welcome the CEO of Glorious, Shazim Mohammed. How are you? Hey, Sharon, Jared. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's so great to have you. You know, a lot of people, I think, know Glorious for some of your striking peripherals, like your honeycomb style Model O and Model D mice. But this season, of course, Glorious announced its next project, the GMMK Pro keyboard. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so you know, Glorious has been working on. We've had our mechanical keyboards, uh, the GMMK, for many years now, and it's been kind of it's been always the entry level enthusiast mechanical keyboard. Um, the original GMMK always featured uh, modular hot swappable switches, and it kind of allowed people that were interested in mechanical keyboards to kind of like switch in and out the switch that they wanted and really modify their experience. Um, so, you know, anyone that's involved in any kind of enthusiast community will know that at a certain point, uh, there's like this upper tier of mechanical keyboards that is really within the group buys of everything. Um, so the GMMK Pro that we're pushing out is kind of targeting that premium audience. Um, it's allowing people that haven't been able to, it's basically this upper tier keyboard of we were like, what is the most premium tier keyboard we can produce that gives you the most amazing typing experience that only has been experienced by um, the, the niche, the niche uh, keyboard enthusiasts out there. And we've been trying to bring that basically into uh, the consumer market. And hopefully with the GMK Pro, we'll be able to achieve that. He said niche. I like him. I said niche and niche, so I wanted to make sure I was being fair. <laughs> I don't know if that's like, I always grew up saying niche, and then all of a sudden, like, as I got, I don't know, into my 30s and 40s, I started hearing niche everywhere. I was like, what? When did it become niche? Sharon, you're muted. Sorry. Potato, patata. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like an East Coast, there. West Coast thing? Are you... Where you from? I, I also grew up saying niche, oh. and I'm from the East Coast, okay. but, you know. It's it's like um, trending toward niche now. <laughs> so, uh, Shazim, I know you don't have the keyboard on you. It's still in the works, but we do have some photos to give the folks watching us on video a taste. So let me just pull that up, and we could check it out. Um, so, like you mentioned, you know, you have another keyboard already, the GMMK, which is also hot swappable. Not a lot of gaming peripheral brands have keyboards like this. Why did Glorious decide to focus on hot swappable hot swappable keyboards? So, you know, if you go out and buy any keyboard on the market right now, uh, the switches that you have in there are soldered in. Basically, they're unremovable. Um, your experience is basically what that keyboard offers you. Um, and just switches in general, and at least in terms of mechanical keyboard, is an entire world. Um, you know, there are all sorts of types of switches you've got you know you obviously have your linear you have your tactile you have your clicky but within each category there is you know how heavy do you want your switch how light do you want it what kind of bump do you want it and you know depending on which switch you get and what your what is your personal preference you can have like a completely different keyboard and a completely tailored uh typing experience to you um you know when we're in, when we're using the computer like typing is a huge part of our day-to-day -day lives for a lot of people. Um, and only, and it only makes sense to kind of, you know, have an experience that's tailored to yourself. 
uh, with the current keyboards on the market, you're you're locked to whatever switches that they offer you. And you know, there's the community, there's so many different brands out there. They're always coming out with new and innovative switches. Um, so our keyboard provides a platform for you to try out many different types of switches without having to essentially repurchase an entirely new keyboard uh, to do so. Um, and it's nice too, in the sense that you know you've tried, you have this, you know, you have this setup on your keyboard. Let's say like brown switches, and this new amazing switch comes out. You know, you have the option to easily upgrade your switches without having to necessarily go out and like buy a completely new keyboard in order to do something like that. Um, and that was one of our biggest decisions back when we started the original GMK is that we wanted to change in the market and kind of bring this this feature of modularity into the into the consumer space. And why did you decide to go with the 75% form factor for this one? So, you know, there's there's all there's all different types of form factors. You've got your 60% that people live and die by, you know, you've got your full sizes, you've got your 10 keylesses. Um, our original line of GMMK uh, featured, we, we've sold three sizes, compact, 10 keyless, and uh, full size. But you know, there, there's, there's always a middle ground, you know, some people really like the compact, the small form factor, but like for me personally, I need the arrow keys on my keyboard, but I don't necessarily like all the bulk that the 10 keyless brings. So a 75% essentially is a really good middle ground between compact and um, a 10 keyless. It kind of gives you some of the function keys. It gives you the arrow keys. Um, obviously in our design for the GMMK Pro, we went a, a little step further by, you know, adding in a, programmable rotary knob uh, that people really enjoy. So we're trying to get best of the both worlds and trying to you know appeal to as many people as we can with that 75% layout. Yeah, to me, especially because this keyboard includes arrow keys, um, it's so much more workable than a 60% keyboard for you know work and gaming. And the efficiency of the design appeals to me. Uh, what do you think, Jared? You know, I feel like if you take away the arrow keys, it's like an Emacs Linux Grognard keyboard where it's just like, dude, I, I got to have like some easy way of navigation. Give me my page up, page down, home. And like, I, I can't survive without those. So I, I got to go up like the, I can't do the 60%. I've tried those and I'm like, oh no, that, that doesn't work. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Do they have to buy the like replacement switches or the different switches direct from Glorious or is it just like universally compatible? It is universally compatible. So, you know, there's a couple of big brands like we obviously have started making our own switches, but you have the traditional Cherry switches, you have the Gateron switches, the Kale switches. So any anything that has that uh, Cherry MX style stem and layout um, will be compatible with the GMMK Pro. I actually had some company send me a uh, a keyboard kit. This is years ago, like probably six years ago, back when I was with Anon Tech, and uh, and I didn't realize before they sent it to me that it was actually a raw kit with switches, and I had to solder it. I was like, "Whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't sign up to solder anything." I'm like can I just send this back? They're like, oh, you can keep it. If you find time, put it together. I'm like, okay. I think it's it's still in a box in my closet, but I, I just don't like soldering. It's not it one a, of my... Yeah, and it's definitely a daunting task too, right? It's not really... Yeah, there's a lot of points to solder for even just a compact keyboard. I'm like, oh, I'd be there all week. Yeah, and especially if you want, you know, if you want RGB, then all the LED points that you have to solder for every single key. Wow. So a little bit intense. It sounds yep. like a headache. Um, yeah, so we have the CEO of Glorious here. So if you have any questions, um, send them in. In the meantime, um, I've got another question for you, Shazim. I'm curious about modding. Do you see people doing um, any modding to this keyboard? So yeah, uh, you know, the keyboard construct, so the keyboard is designed to be easily open. Um, we very well expect that uh, you know, our user base is going to tear this keyboard apart and modify every element from it. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to be selling with the keyboard is uh, going to be different types of switch plates. Um, and, you know, maybe even in the future, we'll explore different case material construction. Um, you know, some of the things that like, so the case is constructed with aluminum. Um, each piece is individually milled, um, you know, 
people are creative. They can usually swap them out, you know, take them to a, take them to a shop, get like a, a polycarbonate case, uh, 3d printed or whatnot. Um, we're going to be selling brass and polycarbonate switch plates right off the bat for our customers. Um, hopefully. Uh, so there's a lot of elements that, uh, the keyboard is composed of that people can swap out and replace with, you know, different materials to kind of give a different feel, um, a different typing experience. What about the keycaps? Furball Fight Club wants to know if there'll be any Baby Yoda keycaps. Aww. So the uh, probably can't do a Baby Yoda keycap, <laughs> but you know, keycaps. Might be awesome. some licensing issues there. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, we're definitely, I and mean, that's been a highly requested uh, question that we've had. Baby um, Yoda specifically. Not Baby Yoda, just keycaps oh. in general. Okay. Um, a lot because so we so we sell the keyboards. The keyboard will be sold bare bones, right? It's just going to be like, hey, this is the body of the keyboard. There's no keycaps. There's no switches. Um, and we let the users basically build their experience. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, the GMMK Pro sells for about $170. And, you know, when you enter that kind of price range, that the type of keycaps make a huge difference, too. Um, and if anyone that's in the keyboard market knows that, you know, a custom set can range anywhere from like 100 to like a thousand dollars for like a super premium type set. Um, we will be releasing our line of premium keycaps uh, when the GMMK Pro officially goes live. Um, so users will have the option uh, to pick and choose from some of our designs or they're always welcome to, you know, go buy aftermarket from other vendors. Yeah, there are so many artists and keycaps I see like on a daily basis that makes me want to just spend my money on handcrafted glass keycaps. It's amazing. Some of them are very plated. <laughs> um, so I feel like this is like you said, you know, this is like a keyboard for enthusiasts. There's a lot of features there. Um, Furball Fight Club asks a good question. What would you say is the most standout feature of the GMMK Pro? I would say that the biggest thing most people will notice is immediately is the construction. So, um, like I mentioned before, uh, you know, this keyboard is heavy. It weighs about without any switches and keycaps installed. It's about three pounds. You know, most keyboards barely weigh a pound. So this is going to be like a huge chunk of metal literally sitting on your desk. So that's going to be the first thing people are going to notice. Um, GMK Pro also the way we've constructed it, it's different than almost every keyboard on the market. Um, we have something called gasket mounting set up for this keyboard in which basically the way like the TLDR way, version is that this, the PCB of the keyboard is basically suspended within the case. It doesn't touch any piece part of the metal case around the keyboard. Um, and what this does is that it actually introduces a small amount of flexibility and it actually alters your typing experience by kind of giving you this really nice cushiony sound um which really it really it really helps with the acoustics of the typing of your typing obviously you know depending on which switch you pick um so that's going to be one of our that's one of our bigger biggest selling points that we're going in and pushing out into the market as this gasket mounted uh design on the, our keyboards and then i just figured it out gmmk is gasket mounted mechanical keyboard well, that I mean, that worked. That that's a good that's a good way. It originally stood for glorious modular mechanical keyboard, but you know, hey, I guess I guess I guess that works well. You know, that's something we can get to marketing. We're like, hey guys, we just found something pretty unique. Jared's always got the good ideas. I, I actually had no idea what it stood for, so I was like, GMMK. Could that be gasket? I was like, it probably isn't, but it sounded fun, so. So one of the things I noticed about this keyboard that I thought was interesting is Glorious is um, specking it with a six degree typing angle. Now I haven't seen the typing angle spec used a lot um, in other keyboards. Is that something that you find particularly important for shoppers or in your own experience knowing that um, typing angle degree? Sure, so you know, typically most keyboards have like most entry-level keyboards, they would have like an adjustable adjustable feet, adjustable legs on the bottom of the keyboard that allow you to kind of alter the degree of how you want your keyboard to be. Um, from an ergonomic standpoint, not a completely flat, but a mostly flat keyboard 
is ideal because you know it allows your wrists to stay flat but you know if you're raising your keyboard it actually causes your wrist to kind of tilt up which actually, which actually introduces a lot of strain on your wrist so you know typically you know five to eight degrees is typically what uh, people like to be at in you know in a in, in the keyboard market and we felt that six degrees was the most appropriate given our design um, so you know in terms of proper ergonomics and typing um, that's kind of why we went with that decision. Um, you know, for most people, it's probably not that important, but you know, for because there isn't any adjustable feet because of the aluminum construction, um, that is a like the angle of the typing becomes pretty important for someone that's looking specifically um, for a relatively flat keyboard. Okay, so because it's aluminum, you can't have flip out feet. <laughs> You can't have flip off feeds. I mean, you could probably have like spacers to kind of raise the keyboard and adjust the angle a little bit. But, you know, most most designs, most kind of like, because of the way we constructed it, every piece is individually milled. To simplify manufacturing, this was the easiest solution to uh, work with. Um, and we found that most people actually prefer to use it flat around six degrees. Um, that was like the most common configuration, which is why we went with that. I've never liked keyboard like tilted feet things. I'm like they're all they always just end up getting like either busted off or I never use them. So I, I'm with you there. Keep it flat. <laughs> so a lot of people like to keep it flat, and then also inverse or space bars, which means basically they like to flip it and uh, turn it upside down. So like your thumbs are hitting like the pointy end of the space bar. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, once you try it, you're kind of like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, so when can people expect to see this? When can people expect to be able to buy the GMMK Pro? Sure, so the GMMK Pro currently is available for reservations. Um, the reservation cost is about $70. Um, and we're going to invite people to complete their purchase when it's ready for delivery. Um, so, you know, we're expecting that the first batch of delivery is going to be here sometimes during Q1 uh, 2021. And then um, the second wave is going to be coming in Q2 2021. So we're hoping to be fully caught up by Q2 2021. Um, so anyone that wants to purchase one, we suggest that they come in and reserve. And of course, the reservation is fully cancelable, refundable until you complete your purchase. So you can put in a request to get this keyboard. And when it comes out, you will get it. Is that... <laughs> That's yeah, different so. than the products Jared's been looking at lately. Yes, a little bit. I, I do graphics cards. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's my forte and gaming now. So I, I can't like hold up a copy of Cyberpunk to show people. But I mean, I guess I, I could have ordered the physical copy, but I did not. Um, but yeah, I, I this past week. So last week we had the 3060 Ti. NVIDIA is now lowest most affordable 30 series ampere gpu costs 400 dollars. it's sold out naturally um and then uh, this week was the launch of amd's halo card the rx 6900 xt which i mean i hold on a sec i'll grab them so many cards to go through i've been you know running cyberpunk benchmarks so they they get all like piled up and whatnot but uh here let's turn off blur so you can see these are your two cards 6900 xt and 6800 xt and um without like finding the label i couldn't actually tell you which is which <laughs> they weigh the same they look the same they even perform pretty darn near the same they both have 16 gig of ram you know so it's it's uh 10% more shader cores is what you get with the 6900 XT, which if you, you know, at the top end of the ladder, it's it's incremental gains in performance for big jumps in prices. So, you know, it's it's fine as such, but like if you look at Nvidia, you've got the 3080 to 3090 and go, wow, they more than doubled the price. But I'm like, they did give you like 20% more shader cores and over twice the memory so you know there is that but uh it's a you know it's a fine card it's also sold out the rumors are and and uh you know we don't have inside knowledge but the general consensus is that the 30 uh, sorry the 
6900 XT is going to be even lower supply than the 6800 XT because it's a fully enabled Navi 21 chip. So, you know, you got your silicon wafer and they stamp out, they mask all these CPU chips, GPU chips and get them out. And then they have to bin them and test them and find which ones meet the criteria to be a 6900 XT, 6800 XT or 6800. And the 6800 has 60 of the 80 compute units enabled. The 6800 XT has 72 enabled. The 6900 XT requires a fully functional chip, all 80 compute units enabled. And for a 520 millimeter chip, that's gonna be you know, not exactly commonplace. I don't know how their yields actually are, but it's it's reasonable to expect they're going to be less of those than there will be of the of the lower tier chips. So, you know, given the others sold out fast, it's no surprise that this one sold out fast. I mean, it's it's madness in the shopping season right now and the the whole COVID work from home thing, people right. gaming, buying all sorts of stuff. So everything sold out. Uh, you can buy a previous gen graphics card for 20% more than it cost at launch. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> So hopefully, so I'm guessing we're not we're not going to have those issues with the GMMK Pro because you could put in reservations, right, Chisholm? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's kind of what we you know that's kind of our mo. We've always tried that. We always had this philosophy of you know anyone that wants one can get one. Um, and this is kind of how we've structured our company and our our product releases to make sure that we're able to get anyone that really wants a unit at a re at the fair price of when it comes out. Yeah, so uh, it's worked well for us. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to how Tesla did the Model Three and like their 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 cars that come out. So we kind of follow a kind of a similar um, uh, philosophy that they go by, um, and it's worked well for us. So we're going to continue to do it. So we have an interesting question from Javier Perea. I wonder your thoughts on this, Shazim. Um, he wrote, my mouse is dying and misses some clicks. I opened it to clean it, but I also lost the warranty. Shouldn't we be able to clean a mouse without losing the warranty? What do you think uh, about that? So we don't, we don't actually have, we don't actually stop people from opening their mouse and doesn't call them. Glorious, right? Yeah. So they can email support. I mean, we sell like, we sell cables. Like for example, we sell like uh, our ascended cable, which is kind of like, you can like open up your mouse, swap out the cable to for a different color. Um, so, you know, we, we actually encourage people to open their mice and mod them and everything. So I'm we, assuming Javier is, is he talking about a glorious mouse or is he talking in general, I guess? I'm thinking in general. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that. So for a glorious mouse, that wouldn't have broken the warranty if they opened it to clean it. Correct. I, I, I answered this with the assumption of a glorious mouse, um, because we see questions of, you know, this is like a normal CS type question. So. Um, if it was a glorious mouse, Javier, then, you know, it doesn't void our warranty. You're more than welcome to contact our support and we'll take care of it. That's often a question we get with the honeycomb mice is how do they get very dirty and what's the best way to clean it? You know, there, there is there is like this, I want, I want to say a myth necessarily, but there is like this like consensus that someone's like, oh man, this mouse has honeycombs and get dirty. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, technically... If you don't clean, like, for example, like your keyboard is a lot more filthy than your mouse. I promise you that. Mine is definitely. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> like people have this understanding, um, you know, like our, our mice and, you know, we obviously have the appropriate coatings and protection to prevent it from dust. But, you know, blowing, using like a, like a can air canister or blowing them out or just general maintenance of your components, just like you do today, take care of your PC. It's pretty standard and should be done anyways. So. You know, if you're just taking care of your stuff, it won't it won't really break it. And and I, and I strongly don't think that having holes is going to be any more of a like an issue than not having holes. Um, you know, if you don't clean if you don't clean any of your stuff, it's gonna it's gonna break at some point. For those curious, that mouse Javier was talking about is from HyperX, and now they're very happy to know that Glorious thinks about this. So cool <laughs> stuff. Um, we have a question from Acidity Productions. Can we hear about Shazim's business philosophy? You mentioned Tesla. Is Glorious the Tesla of gaming? I would hope so. That would be that would be that would be a that would be a huge compliment for sure. And that would um, make you the Elon Musk? The Elon Musk of gaming, sure. <laughs> uh, the good side good side of him, hopefully. Um, there's but, a few people that might fight you for that title. <laughs> <laughs> 
For sure. I put mean, you like, in there, put you in the ring with Jensen from NVIDIA, maybe Lisa Sue from AMD, and uh, certainly uh, uh, Razor's CEO would want to be in there. For sure. I think they're like a battle royale. I think I think Razor CEO wants to be more like the Steve Jobs of. True. Of, True. I think that's their mo. Um, you know, but like for Glorious, like you know, so we started in like a little bit of backstory. Like we started like in 2014, um, and I was a college student when we started. Uh, and for me, it was it was kind of this thing of you know we were trying to figure out, or I was trying to figure out. I was like, man, I'm paying a lot of money for some of these components as a gamer. And, you know, if you go and research anything, like, for example, like headsets or whatever, a lot of times it kind of came up where the the non-gaming version was, like, gaming peripherals always had this overpriced image associated with them. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, just get the non-gaming version of this. It's like, this doesn't have the tacky branding. It isn't overpriced. It isn't overhyped. They aren't buffing the statistics on it or whatever. Um, you know, that's the more appropriate. Like, they, they would always recommend another option except a gaming brand. Um, and I really wanted to change that uh, when I got into like PC gaming because, you know, I had, you know, I had various company mices uh, back in the day and, you know, they would break. And I would also know that a lot of the, like, you know, like, for example, like gaming mice are, are notorious for this, that they show like, oh, wow, 32,000 DPI, 16,000 DPI. That's like, that's like not, that's like, that's like BS statistics. Like no one really ever, no one ever is going to use amounts at 16,000 DPI for any reason whatsoever. Um, so... I never, I, I really hated that. And it's something that I wanted to change when I started up Glorious. I wanted to be like, you know, we want to offer honest products at every everyday pricing. Um, you know, you shouldn't have to spend like, even like for example, like a model of wireless, right? If you look at the two top competitors, like Jeep or wireless or the Viper Ultimate, those are like $140, $150 mices. Whereas our o wireless, which is, you know, similar, if not faster in certain areas in terms of performance, comes in at $80, um, a resale here in the US. So, you know, we really wanna, we really wanna, like we've been doing this for many years now in various industries and it's definitely shaken up. Uh, and I think it's gotten us a lot of attention, um, which means that we're probably doing something right. So I always see ourselves as kind of like a disruptor in whatever industry that we're in. And, you know, we're really trying to push the boundaries and at the end of the day, it's good for consumers because competition is what, you know, when they're when there's competition, the consumer ultimately wins. For sure. And we have in terms of perhaps upping your competition or your competitiveness, a suggestion from Alexander Sharing. You guys should make a mouse with a thumb controlled gamepad joystick on it. You could play Cyberpunk one handed and drink coffee with the other. What do you think about that? Any room for something like that for Glorious? For sure. I think that's I think that's awesome. Um, I mean, we're, we're always open to suggestions. Like a lot of our, you know, we're really active on Reddit. Um, so, you know, a lot of our products, we actually build almost through the community and with community feedback. So, you know, you know, requests like this, we see all the time and, you know, we really take that into account when we're designing our products. Okay. So there's hope. <laughs> okay. So, um, I actually, I know we're getting close to the end of our time with you, but I've got to ask you something that we ask a lot of the guests who stop by. What's your favorite type of mechanical switch? So my favorite, I mean, I want to be biased, but it's the switch that uh, I, we just came out with earlier this year, which is our Glorious Panda. Um, and the Glorious Panda is basically this super tactile, like a smooth, super tactile switch um with a beautiful sound uh sound profile um it's you know it's 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 actually based off of the very popular holy panda um you know there's like this entire rich history behind it that um you know that is basically a frankenstein switch that was kind of created from the community mm -hmm. and this year we were able to you know get some of the original toolings and able to mass produce it and bring it out to the market uh for everyone to enjoy um so that would be my favorite switch Awesome. Um, and so those are, that's not um, in any keyboard. Is that correct? Would you buy it separately? Correct. So we actually stand, we actually sell the Glorious Pandas standalone on our website. Uh, well, Alexander thinks Glorious Panda is a good, strong name for a keyboard switch. So kudos to the Panda or whoever named, named those. 
Um, so I think I got through our questions for you, Shazam. So I just want to thank you so much um, for stopping by and giving us an inside look at the upcoming GMMK Pro. Um, definitely head to Gloria's website if you want to learn more and if you want to put in any reservations. Um, do you have any last words for us before you go, Shazam? No, I just thank you guys for having us on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And we'll see you around, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You guys have a good see show. Ya. Thanks. That was fun, huh, Jared? Yeah. Well, now that we can last... get it. Yeah. I said that last guy asking about cyberpunk controllers. I mean, I mean, that's the perfect segue, right? Yeah, let's do it, Jared. I've been having so much fun watching you put cyberpunk through its paces. Um, you're it's... doing it a little bit different than normal, so... Well, it's so it's funny. Last week, the press got early access to the build, and and the the agreement said it, it said like reviews and videos are, are well reviews and pictures are embargoed until December seventh. Um, videos are, and live streaming is embargoed until December 9th. And then elsewhere, it said like this is a preview build that's got Denuvo and it's not intended for benchmarking. And I like I actually emailed back and I said, well, I want to benchmark still. I want to provide a preview. Can I do that? And like it, it was never made fully clear whether that was a yes or no. So we just went with it. And everyone was like, oh, it's going to, you can't test the preview version. It's going to perform so much better with the final release. I'm like, when has that ever happened, Sharon? Like, when has a game in two weeks gone from really sluggish to, oh my gosh, they fixed everything. Right. It's like, you get bugs. You know, Red Dead Redemption 2 launched on, uh, what's it called? Did it, I guess it launched on their store, on the Rockstar platform. And, and it had some serious bugginess or per poor performance on anything less with less than an eight thread CPU because they kind of coded it for consoles, I guess, and assumed they had eight threads to throw around. So even if you had a six core, six thread CPU, which normally is as fast or faster than a four core, eight thread CPU, it ran poorly unless you did some work around. So you can get bugs that fix things, but when you've got general performance on a high-end system that's low, I'm like, I don't think it's really gonna improve that much. And here we are with the release code and uh, it's not much faster. Like, I think I've seen improvements of up to 5% versus the, the pre-release code. So, you know, that's new drivers, new code and all that stuff. And, you know, that's fine. It's, I don't know, people, People who expect all games to forever run at 4K, 60, maxed out settings, like they haven't been around hardware long enough, I guess, because I mean, like when when The Witcher 3 launched, did you play that at launch? Uh, no, but I watched enough people playing and struggling yeah. with it to say yeah. that it did. <laughs> and that was one where I think the best card at launch was a GTX 980. And I think at 4K, it got like 33 frames per second. When the 980 Ti came out six months later, I can't remember the exact time frame, but when it came out, it boosted performance, but not even the 980 Ti could run at a steady 60 frames per second with maxed out settings in The Witcher 3. So like before they even released this game, I'm like, look, they're talking about ray tracing, not just not just like one thing, but they're going to do shadows and lighting and ambient inclusion and reflections. I'm like, if you turn all of those on, I don't care what you're doing. Like, you're not going to get a steady 60 frames per second. I, I just don't see that happening. And that's so pretty much on, true. You know what you're based on what you've tested so far. So you're going through um, numerous graphics cards. So if I if you did want 60 frames per second, what do you have something you could recommend? Oh yeah, I, so you've got lots of options. Like, so DLSS, NVIDIA's Deep Learning Super Sampling, that works with or without ray tracing. So if you've got a 3080 or 3090 and you wanna run 4K maxed out settings, um, you're not gonna get 60 frames per second unless, I, you can do it if you turn the DLS to, DLSS to ultra performance mode, which is 9X upscaling. and. I got to be honest, like it's pretty freaking amazing that you can do 9x upscaling and still have it look even okay. Um, there's definitely some blurriness and artifacts, but you're upscaling 720p to, to 4k and the results are okay. And then you might get 60 frames per second on a, on a top tier NVIDIA GPU. 
Otherwise, I'm like, well, uh, a 3080, if you run ray tracing ultra preset, but then turn down volumetric fog resolution and turn down the screen space reflections because they're not like absolutely necessary. I, I'd need to double check and see what the final performance looks like. But in some cards, that boosts performance between those two by like 20 to 30%. So you might get there. Like just be willing to play with the settings a little bit. Um, DLSS performance mode is probably what you're going to need at 4K. If you drop down to 1440p, you can back off and go to like DLSS quality or DLSS um, balanced mode. And I, I want to say like the 3070 and above got 60 frames per second with ray tracing ultra. So, you know, max out settings 1440p and you can get 60 frames per second. Those are top of the line GPUs. Um, 2080 Ti is pretty much right there with the 3070. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's possible, but like keep your expectations in check. Uh, AMD's hardware. Uh, it's funny because like if you turn off ray tracing, well, AMD doesn't, it, it supports ray tracing in theory, but the game drivers, whatever, it doesn't allow you to enable ray tracing on AMD's RX 6000 GPUs right now. So you can only test with your um, standard rasterization modes. And in rasterization, AMD's new GPUs are quite potent. Uh, they're right up there with the GTX 3080, and uh, sorry, RTX 3080, 3090. Uh, the they win at medium quality. They're just a bit behind at uh, ultra quality. So, you know, that's a fair compromise. I think, you know, you can find a balance of, of settings that works for you if you could find any of those cards. But uh, um, if you step back to like, I've, I've got the, <laughs> I've got GTX 970 numbers now. I just ran that right before the show, but I haven't posted them. Uh 720p on a GTX 970 is is what I would be looking at with the 1080p. No, not 1080p. 720p at medium quality got like 44 frames per second on a 970. Um, that's kind of like your minimum CPU recommendation or GPU recommendation. I think they said a GTX 780. I've got one of those. I'll test it as well in a little bit just for just for laughs. But <laughs> at you know minimum quality running at 1080p maybe. Um, or even dropping to a lower resolution. You do have, this is interesting. Um, so it's all NVIDIA, NVIDIA, NVIDIA when people talk about uh, Cyberpunk 2077, but it incorporates the, the release version. The, the preview didn't incorporate this, but the release version incorporates AMD's Fidelity FX CAS, which is uh, contrast aware sharpening. And it I uses that for upscaling. That in the comments. Yeah, it, it uses it for upscaling as well. So you can set, you can turn on CAS and not upscale. You can turn on CAS and do anywhere from 50% rendering to 100% rendering. Um, it, I, th I think overall it doesn't quite look as good as um, DLSS mm -hmm. for the equivalent scaling factors, but it's certainly an option and it works on all GPUs. So that's pretty cool. So if you've got an NVIDIA GTX 1070 or 970 or or an AMD RX you know 570 or whatever it happens to be you can try finding a balance with this uh, CAS enabled Fidelity FX and you can even turn on like dynamic scaling so that like if if it's a less complex scene then it then it will render at closer to native resolution and if it's a more complex scene it will drop the resolution in order to hit your frame rate target which you can set to I can't remember if it, I think it. the default was like 240 frames per second. Uh, the game is CPU limited from what I can tell on a 9900K to around 110 frames per second tops. So setting a 240 frames per second target means that whatever you set the minimum or the maximum, no, minimum rendered resolution will be what it runs at. So I, I did that on one GPU and it's like, yeah, it ran at... Uh, um, nine what is that 960 no what's half of 1920 so yeah 960 by 540 it rendered at that and used it to upscale to 1080p and got like 95 frames per second on some you know relatively slower gpu like i, I can't remember if it was a 1060 or what but it was it ran fast but it looked pretty awful <laughs> 
So let me ask you something, because I checked out um, your benchmarks. And if you haven't already, definitely go to our homepage right now. You'll find um, the benchmarks Jared's been running with the individual cars, which he is still updating, as he just mentioned. But yeah, I, I put out a survey like for people to vote on what card to test next. Right. And so I've tested like the top 15 or so responses. So we're, what, was we're now... popular? what was the most requested? I oh. can actually pull that up here. Uh, the most popular right now is do, 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 do. Give me a second. I, I got a refresh so 661 people have responded and of course some of those are going to go hey he's tested this card so i don't need to vote for it so like 3080 was tested early on and it has like just a, a few votes but uh, the most popular vote right now is the 1080 ti followed by the 1070 so that was 40 votes 37 votes 2070 super um, the 588 gigabyte came in fourth. That was the highest voted AMD card. And then it's it's like all GeForce down to the 5700 XT got 21 votes, but lots of lots of older hardware actually. There's a there's a few votes for like a 3070 and the 30 series, but lots of like 10 series Nvidia cards are are in the top spot. So I, I actually tested those earlier than I normally would because you know it's like a lot of times you test the latest and greatest and then you switch over to the to the right. older generation but um so i wanted to ask you looking at what you have so far um it looks like at 1080p and 1440p amd's new cards uh, the 6000 series cards were taking the top spots but when it came to 4k nvidia's ampere cards took the top spots why is that so I think it mostly comes back to the Infinity Cache. So the Infinity Cache is 128 megabyte L3 cache, and that's big enough to hold the frame buffer and your Z buffer and you know all of these buffers that your graphics cards work with when they're rendering. Um, I want to say like at 4K, the the frame buffer is I I might be off, but I can't remember. It's eight megabytes or 32 megabytes or whatever it is, but it, it uses a fair amount of data. And so the Infinity Cache can, instead of writing to your GDDR6, it's going to the cache and that's a lot faster. And they've got like two terabytes per second of bandwidth between the GPU and the Infinity Cache. So as you increase the resolution, the buffer sizes increase and eventually it's like, well, the, the cache can't quite hold all of the data anymore because you're doing the buffers plus textures and some other things as well. And so seeing that, in other games as well, where at 4K, um, the 128 megabyte Infinity Cache seems to be maybe not quite as beneficial. Like it, it still does a lot because we're looking at cards that have the same amount of bandwidth, uh, memory bandwidth, basically as like a 2080 Super. Well, no, not, not 2080 Super because that has, no, that's, that's right, 2080 Super because that's 15.5 gigabits per second, eight gigabytes. 256 bit bus um, and and the AMD cards are are 16 gigabits per second. So so you know with less total bandwidth they're doing than the 30 series they're doing way better performance um, in a lot of cases. So I think that's where the Infinity Cache like as you get larger textures and as you get um, higher resolutions it it starts to trail off in how much of the of the memory access it can service. So maybe it's like 95% effective at 1080p, 90% effective at 1440p, and only 75 or 80% effective at 4K. So speaking of 4K, Alexander would like to know, Jared, if you think 10 gigs of VRAM is enough to run Cyberpunk at 4K natively with or without ray tracing. Based on what I've seen, it doesn't look like the game is going over 10 gigabytes. Uh, it like the the 3090 and the 3080 are mm -hmm. relatively close in performance. Like in, in other games, we normally see about a 10 to 15 percent delta in favor of the 3090, even though it has twice as much memory and more memory bandwidth and more compute shaders and all that stuff. So, um, I I want to say Cyberpunk when you're not CPU limited, which you are at 1080p in most cases, unless you turn on ray tracing. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, it looks like it's mostly scaling in in proportion to the compute shader um, amount, so 10 to 15% faster for the 3090. Um, 
that doesn't mean there's not going to be games that exceed 10 gigabytes, but you know, most game developers target closer to what's available. And so eight gigabytes has been around for a long time, but it's still very popular. So that is a, a big target for them. The new consoles do have up to 16 gigabytes, but some of that's shared with the system. So we might see um, memory use for graphics start pushing toward like 12 gigabytes, 13 gigabytes, I think, for the next-gen consoles. Um, one thing you do have to keep in mind, though, and I've, I've mentioned this in articles and possibly even here on the show, is that if you're doing, say, 4K textures, right? Um, picture, let's see, where's the, where's the piece of paper that I can pretend? Here we go, a card. Picture <laughs> screen, right? And you want to draw a 4K texture. Well, it does MIP mapping. So if this if there's this polygon that only covers like one quarter of the screen, it's not going to use a 4K texture. It's going to use a 1K texture because that's how many pixels it needs. So to even benefit from 4K textures, you must run at 4K or higher, 8K, and you have to be close enough to the to the surface that it will actually say, oh, the MIP map should select the 4K texture, which often won't happen. So you end up you end up setting it to ultra quality, and it still uses 2K or 1K or 512 texture sizes because that's all the polygon needs because it's further away. So, uh, and this is why if you go into game and you're like, oh yeah, use the ultra texture pack, download the extra 50 gigabytes. And then you like sit there and do screenshots and look back and forth and you're like, man, like there's not that much of a difference. Well, that's part of the reason why is that, you know, the, the texturing algorithms basically will select what they feel is the best compromise. And so it doesn't even often benefit from higher texture resolutions because they don't get used. And, and they do help a bit, but it's like, I think it feels like often more of a placebo. Like you're going, oh, I got to get the, the maximum quality. I'm like, yeah, maybe you don't. Um, especially in motion. Like if you're, if you're running around night city instead of stopping to like try and focus, Hey, is the image quality better or worse? Like, I, I don't think I would watch someone playing the game and be like, Oh, I can tell they're using ultra textures. Um, and actually the game has low, medium and high textures. There is no ultra texture option. So. Well, if you wouldn't notice it, I doubt very many, any, anyone really would. It's one of those things like people get very hung up on like, there's this setting that's above what what I'm currently running, and I I want to use that because it's there, kind of thing. Like yeah. that was what Crisis started back in 2007. Can it run Crisis? Well, lots of PCs could run Crisis. They just couldn't run it at the extreme or very high preset um, and still get good performance, especially at higher resolutions. And it's like, well, do you need those settings? And and that's that's kind of the the age-old question. I, if you ask me, like ray tracing in Cyberpunk definitely looks better. Um, the shadows uh, is a good example that as you wander through the city without ray tracing, you'll see certain things where, like, uh, there's a the distance transition where all of a sudden you'll see the shadow fade in. Uh, it's even worse out in the Badlands, but uh, uh, ray tracing doesn't really <laughs> fix that because ray tracing has a cutoff limit too. But I notice a lot more like there's a bouncer guy sitting up against a wall. And when you're say 50 feet away, he looks like he has this massive shadow behind him because of ambient occlusion algorithms. And then you get closer and the shadow fades out all of a sudden you're like, well, that looked weird. Ray tracing kind of avoids that. So, so that's one thing. Uh, mirrored surfaces or reflective surfaces. You walk next to a car, the ray tracing reflections look great. Uh, v doesn't cast a shadow, which is uh, not shadow. It doesn't cast a reflection. So that's kind of weird to not see the player character in the window or mirror or whatever. But, uh, um, but everything else, like the city behind you, reflects. There's indoors. You walk into like there's a place called the Clouds Bar that has mirrors on the wall or whatever, and you turn off ray tracing, it's like a whole different ambiance. So it matters, right? I, it looks better. If you've got a 3080, 3090, I'm like, yeah, go for it. Like turn on all the bells and whistles, use DLSS. Um, if you don't, like great graphics don't make or break a game. They enhance a great game and make it maybe better if you've got the hardware. So um that's kind of where I sit. I, I think most people would be perfectly happy running 
Cyberpunk 2077 at medium to high settings and 1080p to 1440p. And if they've got an RTX card, they can probably enable the ray tracing options with DLSS and still get 40 to 50, maybe even 60 frames per second. But max out 4K um, with all the ray tracing, it's probably not going to break 60 frames per second. So I know we're getting close to our time, but I want to see if we can just quickly answer this one question for Javier. Um, they want to know about CPU cores with Cyberpunk. Um, do, do you have any thoughts on if performance improves with an eight core chip versus a six core chip? So uh, this this is the one area where the pre-release version, like I could have actually see the, the pre-release being more of a factor because it had de novo anti-copy protection code in it, which tends to be more CPU intensive. Um, I still tested that on the pre-release. I haven't gotten around to testing that on the on the release code, but on the pre-release with a 3090, it looked like going from a four-core eight-thread chip to an eight-core 16-thread chip. Um, that's a 9900K, and I just turned off cores for the four-core eight-thread, so it's the same clock speed. Same chip, more L3 cache than a normal four-core chip would have. And and so the extra cores boosted performance by, I want to say, up to 20 25%. And that was at 1080p and uh, somewhat at 1440p. Again, with a $1,500 graphics card. So if you're running with something lower than that, it's not going to be as big of a get benefit. But uh um, the 9900K is CPU limited to around 105 to 110 frames per second. The faked 7700K was CPU limited to around 80-ish frames per second. So, you know, uh, somewhere in between there, I think a six-core 12-thread CPU is going to, you know, that'll start closing the gap with the eight-core. So if you've got a six-core CPU, I'm pretty confident that it will keep up with, you know, just about any GPU running what you would expect to run on that GPU. So if you're running like a 3070 or 3060 Ti or a or you know something in that $400, $500 price range, um, then you're probably also going to want to run 1440p at high or ultra settings. And at that point, you're probably not going to end up very CPU limited. Uh, you might have a little bit lower minimum frames per second, a little bit more stuttery if you have a slower CPU. But yeah, I, I think your six cores are going to be just fine for it. And I'm going to test that. I will test that. <laughs> it just, it takes time. It's it's like... There's 20, only one Jared. Yeah, there is. I, I was laughing with the team. We were talking yesterday and I, I said, hey, like, can someone just fly out to my house and I can show them the benchmarks and they can share cards and we can like double up on the testing, um, which, you know, if we lived in the same neck of the woods, that would have been a lot easier. But I'm in Washington. Sharon's over in New York. Paul's in Kansas City. You know, we're, we're spread out. Yeah. Well, thank goodness we have at least one Jared. <laughs> He's doing, um, so if you, again, if you haven't seen his cyberpunk performance summaries, head to tomshardware.com. It's on our homepage right now, and he'll be updating it um, for how long? I, I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> I. Till 2077. Yeah, till 2077. For the rest of my life. I mean, this my plan is long term. And this is this is the part that sucks. Is long term I want to use Cyberpunk 2077 as one of our graphics card benchmarks for future GPU reviews. The problem is pre-release, not pre-release, but launch code is not the same level of performance we're going to see in three months because there will be patches and driver updates. So at some point, then I need to retest cards and, and you know, basically that's a never ending um, hamster wheel. I'll just stay on that treadmill and keep on benchmarking and retesting. And But I should be done with all the GPU tests that I plan on running um, today. And then I'm going to start looking at like a few CPU tests and also like I want to check and see what system memory does. So I've got 32 gig by default. I want to flip in a, a 16 gig kit and I've even got an eight gig kit, but it's, it's like DDR4 2066 instead of 3200 or 3600. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, I, I'm sure eight gigabytes will, will be a bit of a problem at the higher settings. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not with a, with a 24 gigabyte card, it might not matter. Uh, 
Oh, hey, there's, there's a question. I, I should put up a poll on that one with the with the survey. <laughs> uh, what GPU should I use for CPU testing? Like, do I use the fastest, the 3090, or do I say, look, no one's buying the $1,500. Let's step down to the $800 3080 because that's kind of the more sensible alternative. Yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll stay tuned for that. And hey, if you have any thoughts, definitely bother Jared. That's what I'm saying, like fire off, <laughs> send it in know. the other comment. I'll read them. Yeah, put them. You could put them in the chat. Put them in his article. Jared is all ears. Um, so we do have one more guest to welcome. Actually, make that two guests. Um, they are daughter and mother Daisy and Jennifer Hampton from the charity, including you. So let's bring them on. Hi, Daisy and Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Hi, thank you. Thank you for everything that you guys are doing to raise awareness of including you. Yeah, so I want to tell everyone about including you and Daisy. I know you're the founder, right? Mm -hmm. So can you yeah. tell everyone about the charity? So including you is a peer-to-peer -peer mentorship organization that um, brings kids together with um, activities that can like help with learning, um, or it could just be like a fun regular activity. Yeah, it's also a philanthropic organization. And so part of including you's mission is to promote digital inclusion by getting devices to kids who need them for remote learning or to be part of the community since now that is really um, our connection to the outside world, mostly. And Daisy, how old are you? I'm 11. You're 11 and you founded this amazing charity. How did you get the idea to do this? Um, well, when the pandemic hit and we started online learning, I noticed that a few of my classmates weren't showing up to Zoom calls and um, they wouldn't respond to emails or texts. So basically it was just that they had a lack of devices or access. Um, to the internet. So it made me think about the way that so many kids feel left out. Um, and it could be due to an economic disparity, a learning, developmental, or a physical disability. Um, so that made me decide to start including you so that um, kid volunteers are able to start a new friendship um, with other kids. Awesome. And Jennifer, you must be so proud to have such a young and um, thoughtful daughter, huh? I am so proud. And it really is just a natural extension of who she's always been in these 11 years, always looking out, making sure everybody feels included. She's always the first to reach out her hand and say, join us. So with this, she really just wanted to, again, make sure no one is left out during this uh, difficult time. Jared, I know you have some kids. I'm sure you're dealing I've with I've got a 10-year-old, and I, I'm like, I don't think he thinks this way. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a boy, and he's like, he, he's wanting to, you know, talk about Minecraft or Roblox or um, his, his latest. We watched, uh, I don't know if any, either of you watched Dude Perfect, but there's the, the battle royales where they're <laughs> they, they do a battle royale with like uh, Nerf guns. That's his big plan right now is he wants us to do a battle royale with Nerf guns. So um. that's very cool. Well, he could always go online with another kid and befriend them and talk about this stuff with them. So, yeah. Yeah, well, this is just um, such, it sounds like a really great charity and something that a lot of kids and parents could use right now. Um, so for anyone who wants to donate to, uh, um, to donate to including you, what can they do? Um, so they can go to our website at includingyou.org and they click into the get involved um, page to learn how they can send a device or contribute to our Girls Bundy. So 60,000 kids in New York City right now um, are lacking a device to get into their remote learning. So they're not getting any learning right now. So uh, we're just helping to try to close the digital divide one laptop at a time. And um, we're really grateful to you guys for uh, helping us with this. Yeah, and yeah, really what you're doing is amazing. So um, if anyone has any interest in donating, definitely check out Including You. Um, we all know how important computers are. We love them, we're enthusiasts. We love playing with them. The kids actually need them. So. 
definitely check out, including you. Um, so that is about all the time we have for today's show. If you've had a good time, show us some love by liking Tom's Hardware on Facebook and subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can also download each episode of the Tom's Hardware Show as a podcast. We will, of course, be back next Thursday, as always, at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I want to thank Shazim Mohammed, CEO of Glorious, for stopping by. Big thanks to Jared, of course, for giving us a look at Cyberpunk 2077. Keep, an, keep your eyes on his um, performance test that he'll be updating um, throughout this week and for a little bit. <laughs> and finally, thanks to Daisy and Jennifer from including you. Um, Daisy, I'd love if you could close out the show, if you could just thank the viewers and say goodbye for us. Yeah. Um, thank you um, for Tom's Hardware for inviting us today and for all the readers who have already donated to including you. And we're very grateful. Happy holidays. Bye. 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 Thanks.